Welcome to Spotlight On, your Griffith College alumni podcast. Today, we are delighted to welcome Keno Dowd, who studied a BA Honours in Business and Law with Griffith College, graduating in 2014. Today's podcast will shine a spotlight on Keen's academic and career achievements to date. Keen is co-founder and chief operating officer of ClearCard. ClearCard helps businesses manage their corporate spending through innovative software solutions. ClearCard enables businesses to issue company cards instantly, so staff aren't forced to pay expenses out of their own pocket. Kean has a vast experience in fintech and e-commerce, previously working for Zlingo, uh, Digicel Group, Red Barrel, and Three Islands. So welcome to the podcast today, Kean. How are you? Great, good. Thank you. Thank you very Thank much. You. Thanks for coming on. Um, it's a pleasure to have you on. So I guess if we if we start about um, with a question with um, ClearCard, so if you could maybe uh, give us a little, little bit more of a background on, on your current business and, and how that's you know, sprouted up and, and what was the, the driving force behind that? Sure, absolutely. Yeah, so so, so uh, ClearCard is a Singapore-based fintech um, and it's primarily focused on solving the problem of out-of-pocket expenses. Um, so the idea for ClearCard came out of uh, my previous employer, Zalingo. I was managing a team and we were incurring expenses every single day, travel, client meetings, things like that. And we would pay out of pocket and we would submit it for reimbursement. And we realized that there was problems that basically this meant uh, you, you were out of pocket. You had to submit your receipts every month. And also from the company side, they had a lot of admin. They have a lot of paper receipts they need to review. And they don't really have a lot of control over what is being spent because the first visibility that they get is after it's paid, right? When they get yeah. the receipts. So you can't really push back too much. So what we said was basically, wouldn't it be great if you could issue corporate cards to your staff that have smart spend controls um, that allow you to control the budget for each staff member and also a green list or blacklist certain categories. So say like give a card to you, Alex, and say, okay, it's allowed for taxis, but it's not allowed for entertainment. You know, mm -hmm. so then it gives the company more control. And it basically follows the whole trend in Asia of digitization. Uh, so it removes paper receipts, it removes manual admin. And uh, yeah, it's going really well. Um, We've been live for about three months now. Um, we're growing very quickly. We've signed up co uh, companies all over Singapore and we'll be entering other markets soon. So yeah, going very well so far. Sounds sounds very exciting. And um, I can share the, um, the the pain of claiming back expenses every month. I've, uh, I've had previous Everybody jobs. Can relate. Yeah, it's one of those. It does. Uh, it takes toil sometimes when uh, you're like, oh, I wish that expenses money is going to come through soon. <laughs> so Absolutely. I guess... It really does, and I, uh, I guess you've um, you've mentioned there it's, it's Singapore focused at the moment. Mm. Um, I can see you know vast applications for this worldwide. Is that a scale up that you, you see in the next sort of few months, years, or, or what's, what's kind of the plan there? Absolutely. So I mean, one one thing that I've I've kind of learned over the past couple of years working in, in fintech and e-commerce, which is kind of related to a degree, is that you know fintech is not a winner takes all market. Uh, it's rare that you will have one company that will come, al come along and take 100% market share. Um, you know, how we make payments is very individual to our own personal preferences and we all have different needs and use cases and stuff. So I think there's uh, plenty of room for us to expand into different markets. We're looking at other markets right now aggressively. Right now we've partnered with MasterCard for Singapore um, and, you know, we're, we're looking at other markets quite excitingly and, uh, and definitely things like, you know, Europe is a great opportunity through CEPA, through the single European payments area. Um, so, yeah, um, that's definitely where we'll be looking at the next few years. Very exciting. And um, yeah, I can really see the practical applications of this. Sometimes I speak to these to, to businesses and they, they're a long way away from kind of 
me as a consumer, but this one is just yeah. one where you can really see that would make such a an impact straight away into the market. And as you mentioned there, it removes a lot of administration in terms of in, in, inside of a business. Um, Absolutely. And, and the, the, you know, I mean, we were serving customers from, from your standard software companies all the way to law firms, marketing firms, consulting firms. So every kind of company you can imagine. And, you know, what kind of has them in, what, what, what's in common with all these different companies is, you know, they're probably young companies, 10, 20, 30 staff. They don't have a lot of time to be spent doing admin at the end of the month. And if you actually add up the time spent going through these receipts, it can really add up to, you know, one or two days each month, you know, of the full-time person, uh, you know, so that's very, very wasteful for a company. And that time really should be spent by finance teams doing things that add more value, you know, like managing budgets and maybe collecting payments, you know, especially during COVID. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. It's, um, it's a win-win for everyone, I guess, on, on that front. Um, <laughs> So I guess if we can um, maybe just kind of double back slightly, mm. you've mentioned there that you um, you worked in in Singapore, um, yeah. and you know I, the, the listeners probably won't know this, um, but you've you've studied around the world as well, haven't you? As well, sure. so you've got this almost uh, globalized outlook on on life. And and what firstly made you um, settle in Singapore as a you know as, as, a, as a place for work and then also what kind of drove that appetite to to explore the world and, and studying different places yeah I mean well I guess uh, for Singapore Singapore is an e-commerce hub um, so so I came there over over two years ago uh, because it's it's really kind of the 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 e-commerce center for Southeast Asia and Southeast Asia is this rap, rapidly growing region you have countries like Indonesia and India and Thailand and Philippines and they're just expanding rapidly um, so so that was kind of what attracted me there. Um, prior to Singapore, I was uh, was working in St. Lucia with um, with Digicel Group, which is a, an Irish-owned telecommunications company, um, and basically I was helping them launch e-commerce products. So, so definitely that's probably what brought me to to Singapore. And uh, I guess what what encouraged me to travel just is you know Ireland is a small country, and uh, and uh, I've always been very passionate in different cultures. Um, I've been trying to. I suppose unsuccessfully trying to learn Chinese since I was a child, and uh, and uh, you know that's kind of what gave me the interest in Asia, and so um, that's why I decided to do my MBA in, um, and uh, even Griffith helped me in this endeavor because actually my first time and my first contact with education in China was through Griffith's partner programs in uh, Changsha and in uh, Baoding. Oh wow! Okay, so um, was was that while while you were on course that you you took yeah. that opportunity? That's great. Yeah. So, what what kind of um, what did you learn from that opportunity? I guess it, it's um, it's something that would be great for people to to hear more about. Absolutely, I think that's one thing that, that we don't talk about enough at Griffith. But Griffith has this amazing network of of partner institutions around the world. Um, so, I, it was I think it was the summer of 2013. So it was just before my last year at Griffith, mm -hmm. and uh, basically I went with a cohort of students, and we visited um, uh, Hunan University of Commerce. In, in Hunan in, in, in uh, Changsha in, China, in Southern China, and also uh, Hebei Finance uh, University, if I'm not mistaken, in Baoding, which is near, near Beijing. And uh, what, I mean, firstly, the campuses are just astonishing. Like, I mean, the scale of everything in China is just incredible. Uh, massive campuses, state-of-the-art infrastructure, you name it. And uh, what really surprised me during both visits was how widely regarded Griffith was uh, in those universities, the amazing welcome that we received in both campuses. We had uh, in, in Shangsha, we had a, a regional uh, 
politicians appearing. We had the national flag being put up. We had hundreds of students lined up to, to welcome us in uh, Beijing. The, uh, the students that were going to study in Griffith the next semester had learned the Irish national anthem and oh, wow. sung it, probably sung it better than I could uh, <laughs> at our welcoming ceremony. So yeah, just really, really struck me how you know the, 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 the years of effort that Griffith's faculty have put into building good relationships around the world. And, uh, and created some really great opportunities for the Griffith students. That's great. And yeah, it shows some dedication to learn the, uh, the national anthem for, before you, yeah. you come over and study. That's, uh, that's very impressive. Not too many uh, Irish can do that, so I have to give some credit. I know, I'm a, I'm a Welshman. It was dinned into me as a, as a child. But <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, I can, I can, well, yeah, can sympathise with, uh, with them for learning that. So yeah, um, I guess from there, it was that where you were maybe... Um, you know, sparked in terms of your interest in, in uh, e-commerce and fintech, having yeah, that opportunity? So, yeah, so I mean, while I was, while I was in Griffith, I, you know, um, I was working at Three Ireland um, and I was managing retail teams there. And uh, I guess my interest in e-commerce kind of came from, you know, my family are of a background in sales and retail and, and I had an interest in technology. And so e-commerce, I guess, is kind of where those two things come together. And so um, I, uh, while I was in Griffith, I, I, I secured the role as uh, e-commerce manager at, at Three. So I was managing Three uh, .ie, their e-commerce business, and uh, and just working on on that project. And so that was kind of my first taste of e-commerce. I really enjoyed it. I loved the the design element of building great features for for the customer, and also you know re the fact that it's revenue generating and it's you know it's PL management and all the kind of stuff that I was learning every day in, in Griffith. Mm -hmm. uh, so. So yeah, that was my first taste and I wanted more. And so then when I was finishing up at Griffith and I was thinking, okay, where is my next move? I wanted to pursue an MBA. The, the, tr the time spent in Changsha and in, in Baoding kind of showed me how impressive Chinese uh, education was. And China is just, you know, maybe 10 years ahead of Europe when it comes to e-commerce, you know, Alibaba and JD.com and these, these companies are doing just amazing stuff. So I thought it was a good opportunity just to go out to China and, and do my master's in Beijing and, and learn all the kind of new technology that was happening there. That's very interesting. And then um, obviously that, that has then immersed you in that, that fintech environment. And yeah. then you've, um, you, you went to in America after then, didn't you, at Yale? Yeah. yeah, that's correct. So I did, um, I did one year at uh, the People's University in Beijing and um, was very fortunate to be uh, given a scholarship to do one year uh, post-MBA program at uh, Yale University in, in Connecticut. That's very impressive. And, you know, it's nice to be able to go in and travel and see all these different yeah. different places, but then also, you know, get your education at the same time. So that's, that's very, very cool. And uh, you said you, um, you, you were working in St. Lucia, if I remember yeah. so how did how did that come about because obviously you you've been working um you know in ireland with griffith and then you've gone and yeah. lived in, in china and then uh you've yeah. gone and studied in the states and then where's this saint lucia link that you've uh, <laughs> you've picked up along the way <laughs> it's 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 a pretty interesting story so actually in 2008 i was studying in a in another uh, institution in dublin prior to griffith and, uh, you know, 2008, European financial crisis, everybody was kind of panicking. I was studying business and really wondering, you know, was this the right move for me or not? And I was fortunate that day to come across uh, Mr. Dennis O'Brien, who's the founder of Digicel. And he was giving a talk in Dublin. Uh, and I asked him and I, I said, you know, Mr. O'Brien, what do you think? Do you think I'm, I'm studying business? I'm, I'm, look, I'm thinking maybe doing Asia, doing e-commerce, these kind of things. Do you think that's something that makes sense? 
And he said, absolutely, these are great areas. You should you know, stay in education, concentrate in education and contact me in a few years. And I'm sure there's opportunities for you. So when I got into Yale, I was kind of like, okay, I'm going to send him a letter. So I, I you know, he's a tricky man to, to track down. Um, so <laughs> I, I, I hand wrote about nine or 10 different letters and I sent them to the addresses of his various companies and holding companies around the world, Cayman and Isle of Man and Malta and everywhere. And, uh, and then one day I got a phone call uh, from a blocked number and it was uh, Keynes' Dennis O'Brien. I couldn't believe it. I thought it was a joke. Uh, it turns out it was true. Uh, a few days later, I, I met him in New York, um, met the, the board at Digicel, um, heard the amazing stuff that they were doing in Digicel, and they basically wanted to um, help Digicel diversify from purely telecommunications revenue. They wanted to add more e-commerce revenue, more, more fintech and payments revenue. And so, yeah, they, um, they, they sent me out to St. Lucia, um, spent a few months in Kingston, Jamaica, and then the rest of the time in, in, in St. Lucia, and we focused on uh, building products there. And yeah, it's an amazing region. Um, Digicel is doing tremendous stuff there. They have the Digicel Foundation, which is one of the biggest nonprofits in the region. And uh, yeah, the Caribbean is just a wonderful place. Really great people. I could, yeah, I can imagine. I've, um, I have some very limited experience of, of travel myself, but um, it's, uh, yeah, I can only imagine when it's like working there in terms of, you know, you want to spend most of your time on the beach, don't you? It's not. <laughs> yeah, that's the biggest challenge, actually, to be honest with you, because the major, a lot of the guys I was working with were Irish, and we we kind of thought like, wow, this is uh, we've we've hit the mother load, you know, uh, <laughs> palm trees outside, you know, and, and all this kind of stuff, and uh, and cheap rum and and uh, really kind people. Um, but uh, yeah, it was it was getting the motivation to put in the work. But I mean, we. You know, Dennis was an extremely great, extremely good leader to us. He looked after us extremely well. And so we were very motivated to kind of give him, you know, good output. And, to, you know, there was a lot of challenges in the Caribbean uh, for, you know, access to products and services. Competition is very limited. E-commerce is virtually non-existent. Um, payments is a big problem. Over 10 million people in the Caribbean are unbanked. So there was a lot of opportunities on, on building services. We launched a service called MyCash, which is like a, a remittance wallet. Uh, to help people basically uh, receive money from the U.S. easier, so there was a lot of things that were that we needed to work on, and uh, even halfway through one of our projects, um, we had uh, Hurricane Matthew, which struck one of our biggest markets, Haiti, and you know several hundred thousand people died, unfortunately, and uh, and so one of the e-commerce projects that we ended up building was a project called Food Transfer, which basically helped people donate money to Haiti rapidly and be able to provide food on the ground within 24 hours using the e-commerce technology that we had built for consumers. So yeah. it, was, it was really interesting for me because you, when you're working on e-commerce products, you're like, you know, how is this gonna really help people? But we actually were using that to bring aid to people and to cut the lead time for World Food Program projects. And, uh, and that was something that was, that was pushed by Dennis and, and his commitment to just helping people in the Caribbean. That's very impressive. And yeah, it's great to see that real world application, but also yeah. know, almost philanthropic in of terms of the way that it, this piece of you know, fintech has really helped people on the ground. So yeah, that's, that's very, very interesting. And um, I guess, um, you know, from, from there, um, we can kind of um, go through to, to your Griffith story, if that's okay. Yeah, so, um, sure. Yeah, um, you've you've got an interesting Griffith story, um, as we kind of slightly discussed before the podcast started. So, yeah. um, if you if you're okay, would you mind you know sure. telling you your, yeah. your story of how you got involved with Griffith College? Absolutely. So, um, so yeah, I was I was I guess well, when was this? God, it was 2011 or something. So, I mean, basically, I was kind of looking at I was 
kind of looking at where was my next path in, 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 in life. You know, I'd, I was looking at education. I wasn't sure what I was going to do. And uh, I was in Italy at a, at a wedding. And, uh, and, you know, in weddings, they, you know, they sit you beside people you don't know. So uh, I end up sitting beside this very tall gentleman who I end up talking to. And his name turns out to be Dermot Hegarty. And Dermot tells me that he's the founder of Griffith College. And so we, you know, I mean, you, the wine is on free flow at a wedding, right? So we were chatting for hours and I was telling him about my career and, you know, my, my wins and my setbacks and what I wanted in life. And, you know, I was interested in business. I was interested in law. I didn't know what to do. You know, I, I was kind of discouraged by the traditional university format. You know, I didn't think it was hands-on enough. And then he started telling me about Griffith and he was like, hey, when you get back to Ireland, why don't you go meet the faculty? Like no obligation, no sales pitch, no nothing. Just meet them see if there's a fit and uh, and yeah that's that's where it went from and i met the faculty um at, uh, ronan fenlon and uh and a few of the team there they were amazing um and yeah i just pretty much signed up the next week and uh and you know it was really uh, I, it's one of those things that you kind of look back on your life and say that was really critical for me because griffith gave me a lot of focus it helped me kind of plan out my life it helped me uh, realize what i wanted to do in my career and because the curriculum was so focused on my career, um, it, it fit really well for me. Um, so yeah, it was just really fortunate, you know. That's very interesting. I mean, you know, not many people can say that uh, Dermot was was part of their admissions process. So <laughs> that, that was uh, it's a it's a good story that one. So I guess um, you know you you've discussed that you, you were kind of already interested in business. Um, and you ended up going on to the business and law program. What kind of guided that decision in terms of coupling the business and, and, and law elements together? Yeah, I guess, well, I guess the, that was kind of the cool thing was that I thought it was going to have to be a trade-off. I thought I would have to do business or law and uh, Dermot had that program at that time. Um, so, you know, and what my kind of my interest in law wasn't really to practice. It wasn't traditionally like I wasn't planning on doing the, you know, the LLB and going to King's Inn. It was, it was um, more you know, the legal system and, and legal rules are kind of these rules that the whole world and everybody follows, right? And, and, you know, they have a massive impact on you as a business person and as an entrepreneur. So I just kind of wanted to understand how do they work and, you know, how do they impact and like, you know, just the kind of this system that, that we all follow. And it's actually been really, really helpful for me because even, you know, when we were finding ClearCard and when I was working in Zilingo and, and, uh, and Digicel, like, I mean, we're launching new countries, we're applying for licenses, we're, you know, dealing with regulatory stuff. And that program at Griffith gave me a really solid understanding of how to do that. And, you know, when you're a startup founder, you know, funds are limited. You can't really be paying a lawyer for everything. So we were able to contract and, you know, Griffith gave me the, the, the fundamentals to understand how, how to draft contracts, how to, how to reach agreements, how to handle the regulatory stuff. Um, and that saved us a lot of money and it, it gave us a lot more confidence in what we were doing. Um, so yeah, I actually highly, highly recommend doing a law degrees if it's if you're interested in in setting up your own business in the future. Yeah, that's um, it. Sounds like it would be you know, really useful the, the way you've you've kind of it discussed is. the practical applications is and it pays for you, itself. <laughs> I can <laughs> I can only imagine. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, you know, lawyers aren't aren't cheap, are they? It's uh... not cheap, not cheap, not cheap for startups. Necessary, yeah. but 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 not always cheap. So that's very interesting. And then um, you you kind of you came to to study a bit later on in life. Um, so you yeah. were you were already in, in work, and then you you came. Yeah. In. Um, how did you find that balance between the two, and how did you manage the the study and, and work at the same time? 
Well, yeah. I mean, that was one of my big concerns was I was working at the time when I was at Griffiths. So my concern was, will my academic or will my work performance be neglected? And can I balance the two? I was fortunate that, I mean, three were extremely understanding as an employer and they were really supportive of my education. Griffiths, I think, are very used to having students that are working. Um, it's something that they're very used to. Um, it, I, like I've said a long time, many times, but it's a very business oriented university. Like they're, you know, they're, they understand like that you have to you have different commitments in your life maybe you have family you have children you have you know, employment and they're very flexible at that the faculty is very understanding mm-hmm. um sometimes you know i had to work and they would have you know day course and they would have night course and you could go to the night class instead of the day course mm-hmm. and that that was massive for me you know um that, that really helped and because also the class sizes are quite small you know, you can build up a good relationship with your lecturer. You can get additional help if you need to. If you're going to miss a class and you need to catch up, they can help you and support you. Um, and, and that meant a lot. So, yeah, I really don't think I could have done this study in a tradition in a traditional institution, um, you know, just with my workload. No, and it's, it's something that a lot of people say when they, they work and study alongside. It's, yeah. you know, there's, there's a lot to be said for the smaller class and the, the flexibility of, of, uh, yeah. of lectures and, and lessons. So, yeah, you're, you've, you've hit the nail on the head there. So, yeah, I, um, it's, it's you know, commendable. I don't, I don't know how, how people can, can manage it myself because, you know, I, I went the very traditional route of study and then into work. And it just mm-hmm. seems like the two there's so much to, to manage so you know it's, it's a very much a kudos to you for, for pulling that off it's <laughs> so it's, it's a lot to manage. have to be motivated and i think the lectures played a good role in that i mean uh, you know it's a small class size at griffith you have to turn up attendance is a big deal they keep mm. you on the straight and narrow i think you, could, you there are some programs you can go to and there's maybe 200 people in a lecture hall and if you don't turn up all semester the professor may not notice that will be very noticeable at Griffith, you know, and so that's that's great because sometimes, you know, cold winter days, you got to go to work, you get tempted to skip a class, um, but your, your Griffith lecture will kind of keep you on the straight and narrow and say, hey, where were you? And, you know, you got to get that paper in and come on, let's get going. And, and that little bit of a nudging and encouragement kind of helps a lot. Yeah, that's that's great, and it's the personal nature, and that's that's what Griffith yeah. do pr- pride themselves on. It's uh, it's you know one of the biggest Definitely. selling points that they ha- they have is is how personal um they, they are with their students so i guess um you know we've kind of touched on it already but you know your experience of studying with griffith you mentioned it's very almost you know business-like as, as an institution and that you've used um a number of of the skills that you've learned in mm-hmm. in your your current um business and previous ventures as well so it's yeah. how that you know how that translated when you were prospective and looking at the course and and you know yeah. what made you pick griffith over other institutions at that time well, I, I guess, like, firstly, just, you know, the, you know, even meeting the faculty before I signed up to the program, I was a little bit nervous because, you know, you're meeting, you know, professors and things like this, and you worry, you know, what, are they going to, are they going to laugh at me? Is it, is it, how is this going to go? Is it going to be very formal? And what I was always struck with was how approachable everybody was, mm-hmm. how relaxed everybody was. Um, a lot of the faculty, like, especially in the, in the law school are like active par- practicing barristers, they're, they're, they're active entrepreneurs, they're active accountants. So they're people that maybe are doing the, you know, the lecturing as well as another job. So it means they have real world experience. You know, they're, they're, they're plugged in, they know what's, what's happening and they're very approachable. And, you know, you can just tap on the door and come in and have a chat. And I really like that. You know, I got that vibe instantly. Um, and so that made me think it was probably the right institution for me. 
um, and so yeah, that's that's probably the the main thing that brought me on board. Very good. Nice to hear as well. It's always nice to hear um, positive stories that, that come through. Um, so I guess this kind of leads us to, to the, the, the last section of the podcast, which is uh, quick fire questions. So um, it's everyone's yeah. favourite. Um, so the first one is uh, the best piece of advice that you have ever received. Uh, okay. Um, I would say, yeah, I thought, I thought about this a lot when you sent me the questions before the chat. I, I guess probably the one that I would think of the most would be would be talk to the boss. And, you know, uh, when especially when you're in university or you're kind of like a young professional, you know, it, there's a, you're kind of intimidated to, to not talk to the boss, to go, you go below. And you think, oh, you know, what if he'll tell me to get lost or whatever. And I, I'm just thinking, you know, talk to the boss was, was something that I've always told everyone, just reach out. What's the worst that can happen, you know? And, uh, and, and you'll reach out to senior leaders, you know, both academically and professionally, ask them for, you know, advice, ask them for mentorship, ask them for internship, employment opportunities. You'll be surprised how approachable these people are. You'll be surprised how rarely these people are approached, uh, especially by young people. And, uh, and typically I've found the response has been uh, very positive. And they give you a lot of time and uh and they can be a massive help and it just gives you a boost of confidence because you know if you can connect with people uh at, at a senior level you know and you can learn from them you know it, it kind of really sets you up for the rest of your career um and, and so like looking back like dermot Hegarty has was an amazing source of support during griffith um you know dennis o'brien and you know the the leaders at, at zilingo and, and other companies you know have just been tremendous uh, throughout my career and just um yeah i would highly recommend just talk to the boss it's great advice. It's something that people yeah. don't do, as you say. They always shy away, and it, it's one of sure. those. It makes makes a bit of a name for yourself if you if you you know got the the willingness to go and, and chat to the boss or to to seek out you know people that are, are you know stars in their careers or at that point. So yeah, that's that's a, a great great piece of advice. One that um, absolutely one that, one that students um, I would recommend listen to. Um, so I guess the next one would be what advice would you give uh, recent graduates entering the job market? Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's a few different things. I mean, I, one, 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 I would say would be, you know, just, just don't be afraid to ask, which is probably a little bit similar to talk to the boss, but just don't be afraid to ask. Like so many people have been where you are now of trying to build a career, not having experience, you know, reaching out and asking and, you know, I mean, okay, maybe they may say no, but you know, a lot of the time they do say yes and they will give you a shot. Um, I, I think that's uh, that's something uh, that is is really kind of important, and uh, you know just uh, you know use your use your networks more. Uh, don't be afraid to to reach out to people and leverage your networks more, especially in the current COVID climate. Um, if you are graduating and you're looking for job opportunities, um, applying through the job portal means you're one number in a thousand. Leveraging your networks, your friends, your family, Griffith alumni. There's a great network there that you, you should be using. Um, that can open a lot of doors and I can at least get your foot in the door to the interview. Um, and I think that would be something that would, might help a lot. Yeah, I would agree. The, um, the, the networking thing is, is massive um, and more so in Ireland than, than anywhere I've, I've ever lived. So yeah, it's, uh, it's really, really important. Uh, and, and one I would definitely recommend. And as you mentioned, there is the Griffith Alumni Network, great platform for people to, to connect with, uh, with, with graduates and, and, you know, maybe, start start that conversation um around jobs and, and the next step in their, their career so that leads us to 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is uh, that leads us to the the final question that I've got for you, which is um, how would you describe Griffith College in three words? It's a it's a it's a favourite um, of our guests. This one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let, let me think. Um, so I'd say probably uh, business oriented, uh, flexible, and uh, connected. Great answers. Um, and. Yeah. That kind of comes uh, nicely to to the end of end of the podcast today. So thank you so much for for giving up your time and, and coming on and chatting thank to God. us. Um, yep, and pleasure. thank you, you know, everyone for listening. Um, it's been it's been uh, kind of a lovely way to conclude the second series that that we've uh, we've put together. And yeah, thanks everyone, and see you.